0: Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations, coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Grind, coming to you live from three different locations. My office, Denver, Colorado, and Chad's bed.
1: <laughs> the inter- hey, the internet's better in here. <laughs>
0: Chad is claiming to have data
1: issues,
0: oh. therefore he has to record from his bed. <laughs> I told oh, I you, hoping- I had to, had to bring it up, I had to no, bring I was,
1: it up. I was hoping it wouldn't go in this direction. <laughs> You know, Dave, it, it, our podcast is becoming notorious for going into the ditch within 10 seconds. Starting. And hey,
0: that happened from episode one. I mean, yeah. I just, well,
1: they did know what they were getting into when they allowed yeah. us to do this. So. They
0: should have. They should have. Even oh. if they didn't know you as well, I've been here 14 years. They you knew know, that's,
1: they that's the truth.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That yeah. is the truth. They, uh, maybe they held out hope
0: that you would be able to temper.
1: Well, if, if we were going to have a last podcast, I think having <laughs> Kevin Hasnick from Denver <laughs> for the last podcast, you know, thanks for sending us out on a high note, Kevin. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm
2: honored to be here for the very last. <laughs> it's really special. For
1: <laughs> hey,
0: and, and wearing a lovely T-shirt, I might add. Uh, you oh, guys better can believe it. See this on the audio. Yeah. Uh, but it'd be cool if you could see it on the audio. You'd have yep. to have video. But he is wearing a grind a t-shirt. And uh so we are most thankful and proud uh to have Kevin Hasnick on the podcast with us. And so uh <laughs> live from Chad's bedroom. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Terrible. You're terrible. You're a terrible person. I know it. I know it. Oh, goodness. So anyway, hey, uh, this is what you pay for, ladies and gentlemen, uh, since you don't pay anything. Uh, is what you get. And so uh, anyway, hey, uh, great to have Kevin on today. And uh, we're going to dive in and talk about a little bit of church planting in Denver, Colorado. So so, Kevin, tell us about Denver, uh, you know, what's it like to plant there, how you guys ended up there, why Denver, all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely. Well, I'll start with, uh, you know, why we're here, first of all, and where, where, we, where we got to. Um, my wife and I, we met in college at New Mexico State uh, way back in the early 2000s. Seems like such a long time ago. Uh, but we, uh, we met there, and uh, we were married in 2005. And at the time, you know, we had moved to El Paso, Texas. I was working as a manager of a Starbucks and my wife, Jen, was a teacher. And we just, we said, okay, I guess this is life now. Um, And we really just started to pray, you know, is this really what God wants us to be doing? And are we supposed to be here forever? Uh, We felt like God was calling us overseas. Uh, So we both prayed and we went with the International Mission Board to North Africa and the Middle East, where we were for uh, about four years living there. Uh, loved it. It was a it was one of those challenges that we felt like God had, had called us to. But uh, it, was, it was we didn't want to do anything else. That was it. Um, I felt like there was there was times where I felt I needed to get more theological training. So we came back to the states and we talked about well we could go anywhere. You know we could we could really be in any city. And we felt like we wanted to stay true to our um, Southern Baptist roots. So we said well let's pick let's pick a Southern Baptist seminary. And we found out there was an extension campus here in Colorado for at the time, Golden Gate, now it's uh, gateway seminary. And we said, well, let's, you know, if we're only going to be somewhere for a couple of years, let's go, let's go to Colorado. And we landed here. Uh, we found a, a really great church and, and then fell in love with church planting. Um, so that's, that's kind of what brought us here to Colorado. Uh, we feel like God has, is saying, you know, maybe not go back overseas yet, uh, there's definitely, you know, that's, that's a part of our, our story. That's part of our heart is to see the nations reached. And so we, we felt like that's still part of, uh, the journey that's left for us, but right now, um, just God's providence. He's placed us in a neighborhood here in Denver that is really diverse. Uh, one of four people are born outside of the United States. Uh, we are partnered up with a school that's a, a refugee magnet school for Denver public schools. They have about 60 different languages spoken um, 40 different countries represented. Wow. So the nations are here and we just felt like God, God is doing something special. So that that's kind of, that's the genesis of, of why Calvary Denver was planted here in this neighborhood at least.
0: Yeah. 60 different languages spoken in one school.
2: Yeah. Um, it's unbelievable. It, it, what's really cool about it is we're actually doing our, our fall festival there. We had a meeting last week with the principal, uh, we learned quite a bit more about the school from from her. Uh, they they are able to hire uh, a paraprofessional for every 10 kids that speak a certain language. So even the teachers and the paraprofessionals within the school, you know, are are from all over the world. And so you know they've got 10 kids that speak, you know, Korean, uh, um, and and they're able to say, well, we can hire an aunt or a grandma to come in to help kind of bridge the gap from where what they speak now to English. And so you run into people from all over the world. It's just such a unique spot. Um, And, and that's, that's the cool part about Denver as we've been here, we moved here in 2009. So we've just discovered that Denver, just like every other, uh, you know, Metro they they've got pockets of, of culture that are very different from somewhere else. And so we live kind of in this donut that goes around the urban center, the urban core. It's kind of like that. uh, you know, it's been gentrified. Those people that used to live downtown are kind of being pushed out now, yeah. and those people that live in this donut can't afford to live all the way out in the suburbs. So they're kind of stuck in this donut that goes around the urban center, and that's kind of where Calvary is kind of focused. And said, "Hey, we're going to go after these people—people uh, people that, that can't live downtown anymore and they can't move out to the suburbs. But you know, they're almost these forgotten folks that live around around the middle. And we know that Jesus hasn't forgotten them, and and we don't want to either."
0: yeah yeah
1: how do you what do you think is the reason why there's so much diversity in denver what what has brought so many different people from different countries refugees what why denver
2: yeah yeah well i think i mean initially uh denver is a resettlement city so it's similar to i, I think you know there's like nashville is one of those places i don't know if there's maybe little rocks maybe another one in arcs i don't know but it's a place where uh refugees can can be placed and so and it, it it depends you know it changes often so for for a time we had a lot of Iraqi refugees. Um, then we had some Syrians, uh, we have Burmese, we have Nepalese. so these are people that are coming uh, to the United States and then the United States says, okay, we're gonna place them in certain areas so they, they bring them here to Denver And what usually happens is a family will move here from you know Burma and then they say, hey, you know, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, we live in Denver. And so they're able to, or even if they're placed somewhere else, they they find their way to with their families. And so it just begins to grow. Uh, and we've seen, you know, you, you meet one family, that means there's probably a lot more yeah. here living in the city. Yeah.
0: So who are the largest people groups there that you've encountered?
2: Uh, well, so there's two that are, are, are kind of prominent. Uh, one is Ethiopian, which is just unique we have there's a large ethiopian um presence here yeah. and then I, I think recently i discovered that the the largest population of mongolian people in the united states is here in for colorado which is wow. just a strange I, I don't know why uh yeah. but they have this huge festival right down the road from our church uh and i mean they they do mongolian wrestling and they got food vendors and you know they've got horses; they run around and stuff. It's really cool. It's a it's a fun <laughs> experience. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and then and then, like I said, you got Iraq, Iraqi, and Nepalese, and, uh, just a whole bunch.
0: Yeah. Now, how so long I, ago did you guys plant?
2: So our plant, Calvary Denver, has been going since February of two
0: thousand thirteen. Okay.
2: Okay. Excuse me. Sixteen. Okay. Sixteen. We were plant. We were planted out of a church that planted in two thousand thirteen, which. Um, you know, I talked to Chad a while back about just what Calvary has been doing and it only, only God could be doing the work. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what's been happening in the last, you know, 10 years with Calvary. Um, I mean, Calvary Inglewood was kind of the first church and that was, that's where Jen and I first landed when we moved here to Denver. It was about 30 people. It was dead. It was gone. And they brought in a new pastor and said, Hey, let's just preach the gospel and love people. and you know, the, when you say those kind of things, people immediately go to, well, okay, well, what, what else? I mean, that, that can't be it. You know, yeah. you can't just preach the gospel and love people and people show up, but we feel like that's, that's really what has helped uh, bring back that church. Uh, that church grew. Um, I think, I mean, last Easter, they had about 800 people um, at that church. And so that church began to grow and that was back 2010, 11. Uh, they said, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to Move out to the suburbs. Are we going to build a bigger building here? Uh, they they started to explore church planning solely just for more space. I think, yeah. um, and they began to see okay, this is really just a biblical mandate. You know, we need to plant more churches. We need to replant more churches. That's a that's something that needs to happen. And so they sent Calvary Littleton just down the road. That my wife and I were a part of that. I was an intern there, an apprentice. That was in 2013, and then they turned around and sent us in uh, 2016. So we're like a granddaughter church of Calvary Inglewood. And now at the t- at probably the time of this recording, we probably have 18 different Calvaries throughout Colorado. Wow. Um, there's some in Nebraska, there's some in Idaho, or I think they're replanting one in um, Northern California right now. So it, it's just been wow. an evidence of God's grace. He's been doing something amazing that we can't explain, yeah. uh, except that he, he wanted it to happen. And so we're just trying to hold on tight and see what Let's see where it goes from here.
1: You, you guys are quickly approaching total churches planted from total amount of people like that were in the church 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's from 30 people to 18 churches.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's and and what's what's unbelievable to me is that these are churches. Some of them are re, a lot of them are replants. So they are churches that were were dead. They oh. were going to sell their buildings and give, you know, and all those people were going to go somewhere else. And and, and just to pray through that for those legacy people to say, you know what? Church isn't done here. We want to see this come back to life. We want to reach our community and those churches have started to gain momentum. And, and even some of those replants are even considering sending out their own churches already, which is unbelievable. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're in the process right now. We're probably about 18 to 24 months out from planting another guy in commerce city. So commerce city is, uh, it's, probably one of the most uh, Hispanic uh, neighborhoods or areas probably in the Metro. So our, our planter, Ricardo, you know, he, he loves that. He was born there. He's working there now. It's just a spot that we love. And so if that happens, I think, you know, church planting in Colorado has been really hard. I think up until about 15 years ago, about 90% of churches failed. Mm. They, you know, church plants would go for a couple of years and either the pastor would just crash out, burn out, or, you know, they'd run out of money. There's lots of different reasons why, but now we're seeing a a much higher success rate where churches are staying alive and longer. But from what I understand, there's never been a multi-generational church planting movement in Colorado. It just never happened. I mean, it's it's like the the waves of, 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 God like hit the shores of Colorado and it just dies. Like there's nothing that's happened here. There's never been an awakening. There's never been, nothing in Colorado. And so we're hopeful that once we plant, if there's four generations of churches that are still alive, uh, then that, that will, I think, show that that God is doing something amazing that we can't explain except it's him.
0: Yeah. How many, how many of the plants are replants? Do you know?
2: Um, I'd say it's it's almost 50, 50 right now. Wow. Um, so that in the beginning, it was mostly plants. You know, these were church plants that were being sent out new work that was happening. So these are, you know, like me, planters going into a part of the city where there was no gospel center church, meeting in schools, meeting in you know rec centers, that kind of stuff. Uh, but now I think we're seeing, a lot, especially a lot of the ones that are in other states, are replants. So they're churches that are saying, "Hey, we 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 hear what's happening, and we want to know more about this." And so those have have kind of popped up a lot more in yeah. the last probably two years. Yeah. And then like I said, those churches are the ones that are that have a, a great base they have people they have a building so they're able to turn around and then send out much faster than plants because you know we're still trying to figure out <laughs> where are we needing what are we doing
0: uh, <laughs> yeah uh
2: they're 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 off the ground a lot faster and, and just praise god i mean I, it's it's awesome to see
0: yeah man that's incredible so what if we're, we're doing a lot of having a lot of replanting conversations as well uh, in Arkansas. Uh, since March, we've had 28 churches close. Um, and those are ones that shut the doors. Uh, some of them we have access to the buildings we're trying to do something with. Some of them are in locations that, or buildings are in such shape that there's not really much you can do with them. Uh, and so uh, some of them we're not going to replant in. But, but we've got, you know, tons of other churches, you know, like anywhere, you know, that, that are close to that. And, sure. and so a lot of those churches are starting to ask, Hey, what can we do? Um, and, uh, you know, you know, help us rethink through this. Some of them are not quite ready to do that yet. They think they are, they want to do something, but as long as it looks like exactly what it's been, you know, uh, others are, we've got to do something or we're done. So whatever, you want to do. Uh we have one in South Arkansas going right now. <clears throat> they came in, got down to about 15, 20 people, and they said we're shutting the door and handing, you know, Oasis Church the keys the facility, help us do something. Uh and their launch service, they had 220 something people there and have been averaging Praise 200 God. since then. Uh, baptizing Praise every Sunday. Uh God. and so uh so what what have been some of the the challenges, the Uh, what have been kind of some of the keys to success in those replants that you guys have have seen?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, what, what I heard you say there was, I mean, there has to be in some ways, uh, um, some desperation to say like, we, we need, we need to do something different. Um, until that realization happens, most replants don't survive because, uh, they're, they're continuing business as usual. And unfortunately business as usual has got them to a place where they're in decline or, or it's really just over. Yeah. And so that's one two. I think, uh, I mean, we, I've said it many times, God has to be a part of the, the work, yeah. you know, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: we, we sometimes, we sometimes think, well, if we just have the right plans or the right ma- metrics or, you know, the, the right amount of money or all these different things in place, but then we're not asking God to, to be a part of that equation, then it won't work no matter what. And so a lot of times, it, if god desires that which i'm i'm confident he does he wants to see churches thrive and he wants to see his name known and that that includes church plants and with replants both but if that's not part of the equation it'll be really hard and probably not possible so that's that's one and then another factor i think that's always helpful is those people that stay you know if it is an older congregation those legacy folks if they're w- willing and able to say i want to stay here and i want to see god do something amazing i want to be a part of that if they're on board then that's when you see a higher rate of success so if the people that are 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 staying are willing to say we're going to do whatever it takes to to see this happen then it will i think roll and it'll go if not then it'll just be stagnant it'll be hard it'll be difficult for a few years until some of those people unfortunately leave or um you do a lot of funerals which is Really hard to say, but it's true. You know, like it's similar to when you have uh, a garden and you have an older plant and you just got to trim it back sometimes to the place where it it looks like it's not going to come back. But then, <laughs> lo and behold, you you water that, you take care of it, and it comes back to life and sometimes stronger than it was before. So um, that that's part of it. Um, I, one of the one of the things that we talk a lot about is replants. You know, the, these are Old churches, similar to like, you know, you got an old dog, right? To see, uh, you bring in a new puppy, that new puppy gets really excited and gets that old dog ready to go. And so I I feel like I'm the new puppy, you know, running around, you know, all over the floor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. not not exactly knowing what's going on, but you pair that with with older pastors, uh, sometimes in these replants that are like, you know what? Hey, this is going to be helpful for us. So what's cool is that we're part of a, you know, the Calvary family of churches. So we have got church plants that are helping replants. You've you got older folks with a lot of wisdom, but not a lot of energy. And then you've got a church plant like ours, who's got a lot of, you know, young bucks that don't know what they're doing, got a lot of energy, but not a lot of wisdom sometimes. And so you put those two together and you see this great movement of God. And so I think that could be happening probably anywhere where you, you put, you put those two things together and, and, and God does some amazing things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's, so you, yeah, that's a conversation ahead, that's got to grow uh, all over the country and mm-hmm. uh, it's happened some but I mean everything you highlighted is what we've experienced here too if there's desperation, Lord's in it they're willing to do whatever it takes then it works if not, Absolutely. it doesn't yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so you guys have been there at Calvary since before this kind of movement happened you guys came when it was still just 30 folks, Calvary Inglewood. So you, you've gone from 2013 is when you guys connected with them or before then?
2: Before. So we, we hooked in with Calvary when we first moved here in 2009.
1: Okay. So Oh nine. And you've gone from kind of church member, seminary student to Mm -hmm. church planting resident to church planter. Yes uh, in, in about four or five years.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, it was that an but, intentional process or did, it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you mean to do uh, that? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> is that? Is that what the process looks like for you guys when you look at doing this or? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the, in order to have a, a, a church planting movement like this, you have to be focused on leadership development. You know, if you can't, if there's no people to send, well, then it's not going to happen. You can't just, you know, wake up one day and say, Hey, you can, you go over there. um, And we'll figure it out. Like you you have to be intentional. So we've, we've talked about, it's such a weird analogy, but it's almost like planting pregnant. So the intention (laughs) of planting the first church Calvary, (laughs) I know uh, Calvary Littleton was, well, we have a church planter, but we're also going to bring some guys along who are, thinking through that process or at least moving that direction so that they have an environment to grow and learn and then we'll send them out because if you were to plant and then say okay now we're going to look around and see who we can raise up it only slows down the process I think and so we've said okay we're going to send but we're going to send uh, teams of guys some of them are ready to go some of them are still learning and so that's kind of what has happened with us so Calvary Inglewood is where we were just I was a as a seminary student I was a deacon there I was just an attender and that's when they said hey what do you think about church planting and I laughed and went no (laughs) (laughs) it's really unstable and there's lots of so many unknowns that just make it scary Um, and then we just said well let's pray about what what this looks like we had no idea and I think you know there's still times where I have no idea but we went with (laughs) we went with Littleton and and that's where I got an environment where I could learn. I learned, you know, I had chances to preach. I had an opportunity to lead different ministries. And the 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 great part about that is you have a place where you can fail, and it's not going to just drag the church down and implode it, because I'm not in charge. It ultimately fell on, you know, my buddy Dan's shoulders for him to say, hey, you know what, Kev's an idiot. He didn't know what he was doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll try again. So now now uh, we've planted Calvary Denver. We, I have a group of guys that I, you know, I said, Hey, I told our church, you're going to hear some bad sermons. You're going to, you know, and that's intentional that I want them to learn here so that when they go to plant their church, when they're preaching their first sermon, it's not going to be a train wreck. It's going to be actually beneficial for their church. Um, So it's kind of like, like a teaching hospital, maybe like where these, these guys, they're, they're under, under our care and we're, we're showing them what to do. But, you know, there's going to be times where they mess up and go, Kev, I don't know what to do, or, Hey, this, this ministry is going to fall flat Or, or this event isn't going to be pulled off to the, you know, to the best because, you know, these guys are learning and that's the intention is that we want them to learn so that we can send them really well and we want to send our best. So we're, we're giving these guys lots of opportunity to preach, lots of opportunities to lead and coaching them all along the way, training them and then sending them out. Yeah. So, yeah. what
0: are what are some key components of that kind of leadership development pipeline? Are you guys using NAMs pipeline stuff? Or yeah, uh,
2: we we just started that this year, so we've okay. got uh, we've got about six people going through that, and this is this is men and women right now because we we haven't done this kind of uh, pipeline before. Mm-hmm. So we've got the hope is that at the end of this time, some of those ladies will be able to be coaches for the next round of ladies as we send them through. Um, and not just saying, Okay, you're gonna work in the children's ministry, because that's where so many times the ladies are just pushed. Right. Yeah. But to say, look, you you are able to lead uh women's discipleship groups and to lead them well. And this is how you can do that. Or hey, we have a lady that she loves. Every time we do an event, she just loses her mind and goes, I wanna do everything. I wanna help with this. And she runs around, she gets all the stuff ready to go. And I just I've learned. I don't do that well. And to give that away to someone yeah. that can do it really well. So she's already kind of rising above. We've got some other guys um, that we're, we're hopeful will be our, our next round of church planters. So some of those um, are our planters, you know, guys that we're going to be leading. Some of those are worship leaders, worship pastors that we found. That's another area that is, is sometimes forgot about is we send out guys and then we go, Oh yeah, we need someone to lead music. Uh, you play the guitar, why don't you get up there? And we just felt like we want those guys up front to also be pastors. We want them to be uh, mindful of the word. We want them to be leaders in the church and not just a a guy that plays the guitar. And so we're kind of sending those guys to those environments as well. So we're using that. And then within Calvary, we also have uh, kind of, we have a a missions cohort. We have a, a worship leader cohort. We have a church planter and a replanter. So each of those environments are, are areas where these guys get get more opportunity, more training. So we have some of those replanters come in and teach those. We have planters that come in and teach the planting aspect. Mm-hmm. The worship guys, they come in and, and we have a, a preaching cohort that happens about once a month. So guys get up to preach, get practice. At the same time those worship guys, we, we say, Hey, we want you to teach all of us a new song. So it gives them an opportunity to get up and, you know, stumble through like leading the verse and it goes really poorly and we go, Okay, like what can you do differently next? Time. or you know it's a funny thing like to pray while you're playing the guitar it's like guys can't you know tap their head and rub their bellies at the same time so we're just like hey let's practice that let's practice doing that let's practice you know not saying the same rope prayer every time or what does it mean to like actually be thoughtful of the the passages you read in light of what the sermons being preached so lo- those kind of things all of that works together because we want it to be um something where these guys go out and they feel confident that they can plant and they can lead yeah. uh, and not struggle. And so we've seen a lot of guys go out and we've seen a lot of guys, are, their church is still alive and praise God. We just want to keep doing, doing what God wants us to.
0: So so everybody's doing kind of the basic NAM pipeline stuff and then there's specialized cohorts for whatever area of ministry they're going into. That's sure. Right. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. It's, yeah. We found
2: that that's, you know, it's, you know, leadership is not just a cookie cutter. Everyone's the same. And so we found that some guys are are not meant to be lead planters. It's exactly. just not the deal. Like it's, they're a guitar player. They're, they're not meant to lead music or, or be in that position every week. Um, there's some people that, you know, planting would just drive them crazy because you know, there's so many unknowns and there's the stress of of not having a building and the setup and tear down, they, they would be better in a long haul, like replant situation where they've got more stability. But those challenges are different than a planter because the planter is going, hey, just this is what we're doing and let's go do it. But, you know, replanters are saying, okay, I have to be mindful of the people that are still here that have been doing this the same for 20 years. And we can't just take away the, you know, the, the flower committee or this thing will blow up. So we, we got to figure out like, you know, there's, yeah, there's yeah. different personality types and, and putting the guys in the right place at yeah. the right time. Those, those are really important too, because if you don't, if you don't put the right guy in the right place, it'll fail. And if it's too early or too late, it'll also fail. So we just got to figure that stuff out. You know,
1: you know what you do, man, you take, you take those artificial flowers, you, you, you put them, you put them in the closet with the puppet ministry <laughs> You just and you just just it in storage. Oh yeah, it is funny. It is funny when you still have a flower ministry, but you're using artificial flowers. I never quite understood. Yeah, when you make that switch, I think you just move that committee out. What's the? Yeah, I I think so. Um, That's why I'm a planter and not a replanter because I Uh, I
0: because you know where you put artificial flowers. The graveyard. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sign. It's a sign. Yeah. Yeah. Tone. Tone. Oh, it's awesome! So, how
1: many in in all the replants? About nine of them now. How many puppet ministries have y'all inherited? <laughs> <laughs> zero. That, Any zero. Hand, handbell choirs? Anything?
2: Oh, I I have stories about that, but I don't have time.
0: Oh, I have some cute. stories about that one too. Yeah, the, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a challenge, you know that That's the thing. We're, <laughs> we think about and we joke like oh this is, this is really hard but there's there's things still like handbells. i mean i'll tell the story uh, when we first got here there was a, a group of ladies from um a state that i won't name but they they came and they said we're going to bring our handbells and i remember saying this isn't going to work i i don't think you understand like this is not going to fly they said no we're going to take our handbells we're going to go to the park we're going to set and we're going to do a concert in the park handbell concert in the park you'll see. And I just laughed and went, no, nah, you guys are silly. But I did it anyway. And we went to this trailer park and we set up the handbell choir and people came out and watched in, I think, amazement because they're like, I've never seen this. What is going on? Right. And then there was people that accepted Christ after that, immediately after that.
0: Wow. shared,
2: And they said, I'm ready to, I'm ready to do this. And yeah. I, had to, I really did have had to repent before the Lord and say, you know what, God, <laughs> you can use handbells. I mean, yeah. you could use puppets. I mean, you use jokers like me to to bring you glory. So I, I'm always hesitant to be like, oh, yeah, handbells and puppets, those are stupid and we'll never use them. But then at the same time, God does amazing things despite us all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, w- I would prefer not to use handbells <laughs> and puppets, but uh, yes. if that's the way that God wants to do it, well, okay, let's
0: do it. Well, you know, in a context like Denver, that probably would be so unique and somewhat strange that that it would be intriguing. What is this? And yeah, what in the world? Before you know, what are they doing? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Are those cowboys? Like those guys do magic in the park,
2: and and they're like, "What is going on?" I want to see this, and people it gathers a crowd. So. I guess. I mean, Chad, if you want to come out and do handbells, I'll I'll gladly bring you out. I
1: have a I have a history of that. I did handbells in youth choir. Uh, Chad is a one man
0: handbell choir,
1: and I did pup and I did puppets. I've done them puppets done while them. doing handbells. That yep. that would be not Yeah, not I'm ready. Call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been oh, in enough as well. I've been in enough youth cantatas to you know. <laughs> Be on Broadway, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, uh,
0: <laughs> so so so. If you guys ever read Adventure, I think Chad, you've heard me talk about this book, "Adventures in Churchland" by Dan Kimball. No, I'm telling you, it is the funniest book because he talks about he he was a drummer in a punk rockabilly band on tour in England, he got saved in this tiny little Methodist church in London or somewhere somewhere in Great Britain, and and he just it's the story it's his journey with all the strange things in the Christian church, you know, Easter cantatas. And the, the first time he went on staff, he got chewed out for not wearing khakis to the office. Uh, I mean, all these things, these just fascinating yeah. stories and how God used all those things, his first Lord's supper experience. Uh, I almost ran off the road because I was listening to the audio on this, almost ran off the road. I was laughing so hard. I couldn't breathe when he's telling this Lord's Supper story, he and his buddy, who was not a believer at the time. And uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's one of the funniest books I've ever read. But it's one of those that uh, it, it kind of highlights the, the strangeness of Christian culture, you know, and some of the things that we do that are normative yeah. to us. But people on the outside looking in say, what is that? <laughs> Why why would you do that? And uh I, I love that book. I just I recommend it all over the place and so funny. And uh,
2: And what what's it called? Again? Adventures in Church
0: Land. In Church Land, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh and Kimball's just a brilliant storyteller, uh, anyway. And uh uh but yeah. <laughs> just some great stuff. I, I could write a similar book, uh you know, along those lines and uh uh, I was I was in a okay. I'll tell one story. I was in a uh, Easter cantata musical, whatever it was, and I was playing Jesus, and so I sing as well. And so the scene the where they're taking me down from the cross, I was up on a cross, taking me down from the cross, and they dropped me. <laughs> oh. Right on my fat head, and uh, and you're uh, dead. So you can and I'm dead, father. so I can't <laughs> yell out. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, so we get done. And there's a lady in our church who was, uh, she, uh, how, how do I say this? She, you know, you always talk about the deacon. Well, she was the lady, mm-hmm. uh, and critical of everything. And she came up to me afterwards, and she said. Well, that was a little bit of overacting, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm like, they dropped me on my head. <laughs> you know? and, uh, so, yeah. Uh, if I wasn't dead, I would have been severely hurt. So, anyway, <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen, those I mean, goat pooped on the stage one time. Uh, oh, yeah. Live animals. <laughs> yeah. You get all Damn that kind man. of stuff. <laughs> So anyway, I could write my own Adventures in Churchland book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I'd read it. Yeah, yeah, man. I'll tell you, you know, and it's funny, I'm speaking to a group of pastors and deacons tonight, and just kind of thinking through some of that stuff, and, you know, just thinking back, you know, through my almost 30 years in ministry now, and uh, you just see a lot of funny stuff, weird stuff painful stuff i mean it's just it just mimics life in so many ways it's just uh it's just kind of bizarre and uh, just thinking through some stories and we'll tell tonight Just a lot yeah. of fun
1: so anyway. Kevin, as we kind of wrap up here i'd love to know what you're with denver being so diverse and you haven't been on the mission field uh you know, have, having all those bathhouse experiences that you have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, No, for the podcast.
2: Yeah. Uh, Okay. Okay.
1: (laughs) I love that story by the way. Um, (laughs) but what, how has your missions experience and living on the mission field in an international context, how do you think that helps you in a city like Denver? You've talked a little bit about this, but tell us about it from the mission field that helps.
2: Sure, I think the uh the the first thing that sticks out is that, you know, we we lived in in North Africa for 4 years and didn't see a single person come to Christ. Uh we're working amongst uh a Muslim people, you know, it's 99% Muslim, you're hearing the call to prayer five times a day, 365 um every context that you're in, every taxi ride you take is a spiritual conversation. It's mostly to try to convert you to Islam. So that that, that was kind of the environment we swam in for a few years. And it's I mean, it shouldn't be surprising that God, you know, takes us from one place and moves us to the next. And while we're in that spot, he's almost knocking off all the things he he wants to to make us what he what what he desires, right? Moving us to the next environment. And so I felt like the time that we spent in North Africa was really preparing us well for here. Because this is a city where you're, you know, over ninety five percent of people are are unaffiliated with the church whatsoever. You know, we, you don't have a lot of Christian um, culture here. And so what, what that means is that it, it's hard. It's hard soil. You know, we're, we're, if you, you think about that, that picture of the harvest field and you're thinking, oh, there's, you know, just, just reaping all the time. I think we're now at a place where we've moved the huge boulders out of the way and there's still hard, rocky soil. And we're getting to the place now where we're starting to see some fruit and it's taken a couple years of that uh, constant contact with people, you know, over and over showing them that we are, we are a church that is here, uh, that's, that's anchored in this neighborhood, it's not going anywhere, that they can trust us, that we love them, and it's taken time. And so all of that, I think, is brought over from our experience in North Africa, where you're working there for many years, sharing with people, your neighbors, your language tutors, you know, all that stuff. And then you're you're discovering that it's just now starting to sink in in four years. So the similar, we, we feel like sometimes that's the temperature that we feel here, where people aren't necessarily hostile, where you know I don't have to be fearful that I'm going to die for sharing my faith. But at the same time, people just aren't you know more apathetic or uh, just oh you know that's good for you. You know they, people move here for lots of different reasons. Many of them move here to escape um, from that kind of culture. You know people are moving here from. The Midwest and the South saying, well, I, I grew up in church. I did that for many years. Now I'm here and no one's going to check up on me. No one cares if I show up on Sunday. Uh, no one no one's going to know if I don't show up on Easter and Christmas. And I like that. And so that's that's the kind of people that we're interacting with and just knowing um, that God has called us to that. God has called us to continue to share our faith, um, to, to understand that he, he is what people need the most. Uh, and so we we got to keep sharing. We got to keep going. We got to keep loving people and, and preaching the gospel to them because that's the hope that they need. It's not to, for them to chase after anything else. I mean, we're a state that, you know, we have, um, civil unions, we have legalized marijuana. We have, you know, these are all the things that people hide themselves in and it's not Jesus. And so we know that, that we need to continue to, to be a light in this community and let them know that that's what they need most.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's great. Well, and I, you know, even here in Little Rock, I mean, not, it's certainly not as diverse as, <clears throat> as Denver, but, uh, you know, we've highlighted was it 68 uh, unreached, unengaged people groups in Arkansas. Either uh, unengaged, unreached, yeah. or unreached. I think. Yeah. Un, yeah. And then I think 35 of that or something are unreached, yeah, unengaged. Yeah. Happening. But 100 130 something people groups, distinct people groups, even here in Arkansas and um and so we have a a brand new church plant in the heights in little rock which is probably one of our more diverse neighborhoods you know it's the urban hipster gentrification you know clash of cultures kind of meeting place and i've got a new church planner there and they had a kind of a launch service the other night had six different countries represented uh which is which is unique for us yeah and uh and Jordan and Sarah are intentionally, you know, reaching into those cultures, trying to uh, have conversations about Jesus. And what's fascinating is a lot of folks are very interested and intrigued. They want to learn. And so it's uh, it's opened up opportunities for them to start Bible studies in homes where they can really unpack who Jesus is. Uh, a lot of Muslims, uh, Hindus, um, you know, Buddhists that they're interacting with and been it's been real fascinating we're hoping that that's going to be kind of a um you know kind of a first church that would domino into others you know yeah. like that and uh, so uh they're they're already I don't, Chad, I don't know if you knew this or not but coming out of our chapter one weekend jordan said we need to plant pregnant and uh, Chad was using that phrase over and over to an uncomfortable rate. You uh,
1: <laughs> did have what three pregnant ladies in the training this past week? Oh, uh, there were four.
0: Yes, uh, four? four pregnant wow. ladies. Yeah. And 14, so uh, planters, made it all the more poignant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've got they've got an Indian guy that's with them. It's uh, kind of George's right hand man, and and they've the the Indian group is probably their largest people group they've connected with. And so they're thinking, we need to, we need to plant Pernay uh, yeah. and, uh, go ahead and get him ready. Cause he's, I mean, they've just started and they're already thinking we've, we've got to do something with Pernay, And, uh, so that's, that's encouraging. It, it's taken us a while to get there where guys are thinking like that. And, uh, yeah. uh and we need, we need more of that. Um, uh, We've got some potential for some Calvary-type churches in Arkansas. We're uh, working on some of that, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, that's that's well, what we're it's, for.
1: it's it's just a big shift in addition yeah. to multiplication, you it know. And, and what you guys are seeing, Kevin, I think, isn't just reproduction. You you guys are you guys are trending toward, if not seeing multiplication now, because it's not just that you know Calvary Englewood planted Littleton, that planted you guys. It's that now all those churches are still planting and they're planting church planting churches. You guys are thinking that. Yeah. And that's really what, that's when you really get to multiplication. It's not just that, you know, Englewood's planting all these churches. That's still, I mean, it's reproduction, but it's still kind of an addition mindset. But when you start planting churches, then plant churches that plant churches. And that's the secret sauce that we're trying to implement and trying to get guys to think through. Cause every guy that wants to plant has multiplication in his heart when he's planting his church, but it sure. oftentimes turns into a bit of a cul-de-sac. We're just kind of dead ends with their church mm-hmm. and it never gets beyond that. And and we're trying to help yeah. guys think through, look, don't just plant your church, uh, plant, you know, plant a movement of churches, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of, I mean, I, I would say that to, to break through that, you have to, to find guys who are willing to say, it's not about me. I mean, and we would never say that and we've never, you know, we never go, well, guys planting churches. They're, you know, they're arrogant and they're all about themselves. But sometimes what you just described, Chad, is they're thinking about just their church. They're not thinking about a kingdom mentality, thinking, how will this church grow to get to a place where it can plant other churches? Uh, And so you, I think from the beginning, we, we looked at and said, okay, we want guys that are, that are willing to be humble, willing to be, you know, not, not a big deal to say, look, this, this is not about me or Calvary in general. This is more about the kingdom of God. And then high, high levels of cooperation, you know, to say like, well, you know, this is, this is what I came up with here, share it with whoever and give it away. Um, whatever resources you have, you, you share those little resources with anybody that will, that needs them. Uh, because that's that's a picture of what the body of Christ should be like anyway, and so if your church is not a picture of that, then it's going to be difficult for you to 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 push that to the next generation. And so we've said, hey, you know, the the, the idea of multiplication, that yes, is there for every I, w- I would say every Christian to say, well, yeah, I'm going to share my faith, and then that person is to share their faith. But unfortunately, it, it it's not what we see in practice. What we don't see is is Christians sharing their faith in order to build up a disciple to make them a disciple maker to make other disciples. So the same thing, if we don't see that in discipleship in the church, we don't usually see that in church planting because that's just it's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. You know, it's much it's much more simple for us to say, I'm gonna go all in on one church and and get this to a place of sustainability, to say to focus and say, hey, in five years I'm gonna be off of funding and I need to be able to say, okay, we're gonna survive. My family's gonna be able to eat. Uh, these are these are real things that you have to think about. I'd rather have a, a place where we can have a building. I'd rather get to a place where we can think about those things. And for us, we've said those are important, and we want to be pushing toward those. But the more important thing is to have people to be sent out. Yeah. The more important thing is to have churches planted, mm-hmm. and and to plant lots of gospel center churches throughout the city and the state, because we know that that there is there is lots of lost people that are dying and going to hell every day, and if we continue to focus on how can I make this this church big and grandiose and well-known and, you know, got a lot of Twitter followers and I'm, I'm on podcasts and all that good stuff, right? <laughs> Instead of saying, what are we going to do to plant churches and replant churches and see people safe? Then we're, we're missing the point. And so those, you got to kind of have to, sh- we have to shift our, our thinking and our mentality and kind of flip it on its end and say, look, we're more, we're We want to send more than we want to to keep in some ways. It doesn't make sense. And there's been lots of people that said, there's no way that a church plant like Calvary Littleton can send Calvary Denver. It doesn't make sense. You're, you're within a, you're within your five year window, like wait until you're self-sustaining before you send. And we've said the, there's a priority. We need to send more churches. And so that's what we did. And we're in the same boat where people are saying, "Kev, if you send, you know, Ricardo, and you send, you know, this team of people to Commerce City, how will you survive? Your church is already pretty small. There's no way you could do that. And we're saying, well, it's not about the size of your church. It's not about, you know, raising millions of dollars to plant. We're, we're sending guys and planting them on, you know, $100,000 budgets and things like that, because we know that it's not about, you know, the smoke and the lasers and the huge launch services. We know that it's about sending guys that are focused on the community That are building up others to send them again, send them again, send them again, and and we're not we're not seeing a day where we're going to stop doing that because we're we're going to send Ricardo, you know, praise God, hope you know, but we don't want that to be the last one. We want to after Ricardo goes, there's another guy in the shoot already that we're we're helping to build up to send him somewhere else, and the same thing is happening at other churches saying, okay, who else can we send now? What other group of people, what other neighborhood is in need of someone? Who do we have? What can we do? And, and that just has to keep going and keep going until, until Jesus comes back, honestly. I mean, there's, there's not going to be a time where we go, okay, I think we did it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're done. I think enough churches are replanted. It'll never be that place. You know what, that, that's, that's the other part. We, we ask guys all the time, like, if you're not able to see this as a never-ending task, then you're gonna be really frustrated. Cause if you if you're a guy that says, okay, I, I see a plan and I get it to completion and it's over, then you're gonna be frustrated by church planting or replanting in that in that case, because this is not going to end. We're not gonna stop sending churches. We won't. Like we can't. We have to continually send more and more people, build up and send out. And it it's it, it can be maddening to some guys and it's exciting to others. And it's exciting to me. I I love it. I love building up guys and sending them away. And you know, sometimes we go. Well, let's just keep the band together. This is more fun. It's it's more fun to do this together. But we've we said, hey, our friendship and our love for one another is, it should be secondary to our love for Jesus and our love for what He wants to happen. And that's to send people out. So, I mean, some of my my best buddies, you know, are at Calvary Englewood and Calvary Littleton, and and even Ricardo. I love this guy, and I I'd love for him to stay with us forever. But I know he's he's better suited to be sent to Commerce yeah. City, to yeah. a different place.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, that's awesome. That's great. Well, you know, talking about uh you know reaching the millions and doing interviews and podcasts, you reached the pinnacle here with this podcast. <laughs> so it's all about- I, I know there's there's nowhere else to go, right? There's I mean, nowhere the, else to go. The
1: pinnacle of mediocrity, my friend. That's
0: right. That's right. <laughs> Strive for it all the time, and sometimes oh, we get mount mediocre. I, I
2: can't wait to wear this shirt out today and all the questions I'm going to get and the explanations I have to have. It's
1: going to be fun.
0: There you go. That's right. That's right.
1: (laughs) Well, now at least you've worn it once.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, no. I've worn this many times.
1: Uh I love it. To to paint in and do yard work. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I will say this before we get to rapid fire. What, what, What you've been talking about it reminds me of what Neil Cole said when Neil was here uh, earlier this year, he said something to me in, in just a, a side conversation. He didn't say this in public, but he said the dying church around the corner is closer to being a movement than the mega church. And it kind of struck me and I started processing it and I was like, I don't know if I believe that, but that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. But hearing kind of Calvary's story of kind of that plateau declining 30 people left and now it's turned into a movement that I think some megachurches would envy, you know, there is some truth to that, 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 um, and so I don't know, man, I just, I don't, I have not heard a story like Calvary's, uh, going on a lot. And so I think what you guys are doing is really incredible. And yeah, thanks for sharing it with us.
0: Absolutely.
2: Praise God! I mean, it i, I can't overstate it enough. But the, you know, it's just the mercy and the grace of God that any of this is still going on and happening. Because it, I can promise you, if you met some of the other guys within our family, you'd be like, "This why? How's this happening?" Like,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, you're talking to me, and that should be evidence enough. But I mean, some of these other guys, you're, you're going, "Hey, these are just normal dudes. These are not these are not guys coming from pedigree where you know they came from. Well, you know, this guy, I know this guy, and there's many of us that." We grew up in the West um, and we're almost indigenous. Like I'm, I'm from New Mexico, you know, Colorado, grown up here my whole life. So this is just normal to me. This culture, it, it seems like this is, this is what I've grown up in. And so this seems normal to me. Yeah. And that's the, that's the picture. That's the prototype of guy we see over and over again, just normal guys that you would never know their name. They've never written a book. You, they're just, they're just faithful to the word. They preach every week. They love people. They're building up leaders and sending them out, and so that's that's kind of what we want to continue to happen. We don't. It's almost like I, I want this to continue, and and I want to tell this story because I want to give God the the, the credit and the glory, but at the same time, it's just we're just normal guys. Like it, this is not something that's extraordinary. I think this can happen in any place. It really yeah. can. I think it could happen in Northwest Arkansas where you could see a movement of God like this, because God can do that. And and I believe that he will. I I, I continue to pray that, that we're going to see something happen uh, here in the United States that will that will kind of f- flip what's been happening. The trend of of more and more uh, people that are going to hell every day, instead more and more people that are making their way uh, into the God's family. Like we're going to see people not just sent here in in the states to plant churches. I'm praying that we send people overseas to you know those un- unengaged people groups those those areas of the world where there's no one known, yeah, I would love that that these these are building up guys that are gonna be going there too because we need that. We need to see Jesus known to the ends of the earth, not just in Colorado or Arkansas, but really everywhere. That's that's our desire ultimately is yeah. that this continues and spreads out farther and farther to a place where yeah, there are people that have never heard the name of Jesus that are hearing it for the first time. And 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 I pray that God keeps doing it
0: yeah yeah well i tell you man uh just as long as we uh don't get to the place where we've got it figured out we'll probably be okay <laughs>
1: yeah
0: it's when we yeah. think we figured it out that
1: i don't i don't think there's any danger of that with this group no no <laughs> yeah. uh, Next three we yeah there's no yeah
0: <laughs> I, I was sharing this with our church planners this weekend i just kind of been meditating on and captured by uh, Uh, story of Uzziah in second Chronicles 26. And, you know, here's this kid 16 years old when he becomes King and, you know, says he did good in the sight of the Lord. And I mean, Israel expanded and all this great stuff. And it says, as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord prospered him. And then you get down to about uh, verse 15 and it says, you know, as his fame spread far, he was marvelously helped until he became strong and And then there's a shift, you know, with Uzziah, where I've got this figured out, Lord, I've got this. He starts doing stupid stuff. God strikes him with leprosy and he ends out his reign separated from the kingdom that God, you know, blessed him to, to enhance and build. And i tell you that phrase until he became strong has just been resonating in my mind here lately. And, you know, God, don't, don't allow my pride to get in the way of what you want to do. And, uh, Uh, you know Patrick Lencioni's book you know the ideal team player you know his humble hungry smart uh, you know characteristics of you know great team player and great leader kind of run through my mind constantly and I've got to continually check myself okay you know God where am am I am I missing something somewhere my is my humility waning is you know uh, my hunger waning you know for, for the things of you and uh, sure. God, am I doing stupid stuff? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to go the way of Uzziah, uh, in, in that. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, well, man, thanks so much for coming on with us. Uh, we're going to wrap up with, uh, our, uh, uh, I don't know if anybody likes this segment or not. We like it. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the hot burning questions that Dave and Chad want to know whether anybody, Wants to know or not so uh so all right rapid fire top one or two books that have had the most impact on you
2: yeah um i i would say they're right here i thought maybe you'd ask that question so i brought them over <laughs> um the, the first one is uh imperfect pastor by zach swine um and i love this book because um early on in the in the book he talks about he's taking his son hiking in colorado i think and he says, "Hey, look at that mountain over there. You know, what's the name of that mountain? Cuz here in Colorado, if you if you you hike 14ers, that's what they're called. You know, these 14,000 foot mountains. They all have a name. you can mark them off your list, kind of a big deal." Uh-huh. Uh, and he said, "Well, I don't know the name of that mountain." He said, "Well, you don't because it's only 13,000 feet it's Still big, it's still impressive, but it's just there." And he said, "Just be like that. Just be like that mountain. You don't you don't need to be on the grind, podcast, you don't need to write books. You just have to be a guy who's faithful." to preach God's word and, and to do what God has called you to do and, and, you know, die and, and move on. You know? So that's, that, that to <laughs> me, it really spoke to me. Like I'm just, I'm an imperfect, nobody pastor and I like it that way. So um, the other one is a book I just recently finished. It's called church in hard places. Um I oh, met, yeah, Mez McConnell. I, I really, I was challenged by this book because well, we're a church in a really hard place and yeah. it's, it talks about how the local church can really, you know, reach out to the poor and needy, but also just what it looks like to to do ministry in a place where you may not see fruit for a long time, uh, to understand that sometimes you're, you're called to a, a spot that you're going to have to just work and be faithful. Um, and, and you may you may not be the one to see the the fruit of that labor, and that's okay. Yeah. And I feel like that's, I'm kind of coming to that place where I'm going, hey, I'm going to be here for a while, and we're going to continue to, to see things happen and it may, it may have nothing to do with me and that's okay. That's probably better. So cool.
1: um, yeah, well, those what two. What about your biggest strength and weakness in church planting?
2: Uh, let's see. I, I, I sometimes tell people my biggest strength is that I'm just dumb. Like I just, I don't, I don't know when to quit. i <laughs> just like, I don't know. I, I think You're stubborn, just, you know, stubbornness, maybe. Um, Persistence persistence there you go persistence and and um long suffering how about that those are those are things that i i don't necessarily think those are something you want to put on your resume and say hey i'm really good at these things but at the same time in church planting unfortunately being here in colorado now for nine years there's lots and lots of guys that have started and have left since i've been here um and a lot of that has to do with guys that it's it's not, you know, we're not talking like moral failures. We're not talking about anything really serious. It's just sometimes they just, they're done. They they can't do it anymore. They burn out or they just say, Hey, this is too hard. I, I'm going to go back to where I came from. Um, and so that's, that's part of, I mean, praise God, whatever he's put in me to to do that, it's, it's working. Uh, I think my, maybe my greatest weakness is, is kind of what we have been talking about earlier. It's um, sometimes we, we try to do things in our own strength and I think that's just a sinful part of all of us. But for me, there's times where I, I go, well, I'm just going to muster up the, the, the strength to do this. And what you described, um, that that's me sometimes I, when I get out of the way, when I allow God to do it, then amazing God, things happen,
0: yeah.
2: you know, <laughs> imagine that, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. times where, I mean, one story in particular, when we, when we first started, Chad knows the story. We about ten days before launch, uh, all of our equipment was stolen, all of it. And so we're talking trailer, all of the sound equipment, children's ministry stuff. And I think going back to the, the strength part, I was just too dumb to be like, well, we should probably stop then. <laughs> like, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't do this. But instead, I was like, no, we're doing it. Yeah. Went around, and gathered up, you know, just secondhand sound stuff, and we just we launched with no, like with like no equipment, which is just crazy. Um, uh, but we really found that, Hey, when we're not relying on our own strength and our own, uh, stuff and we just have to rely on, on God, amazing things happen. Yeah. And that's one. Uh, the other one is, you know, early on as a church planter, you're so stressed about where are we going to meet? And that's the question church planters get in the early stages. Where are you going to meet? Where's, where's the church going to be? And it was just stressing me to a point where I just didn't know what to do anymore. We found this, uh, Mops International. So if you have a Mops program, maybe at your church, or if you've had one of those, we meet inside their headquarters here in Denver, Colorado. And I just went in one time just to say, Hey, I'm a church planner in this this neighborhood. I want to know how I can be helpful. And the CEO walked me around and said, you know what? Why don't you just meet here? And I went, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. We have a lot of uh, excitement and zero money. So if that's part of the deal and she said, yeah, uh, you're going to meet here and not pay any rent. And I just, you know, I, I had to just, I teared up and I, Told my executive guy, I said, Hey, you won't believe what just happened. We're gonna meet in a place for no rent. And he said, No way. <laughs> That's not possible. And I said, It is. And praise God. I mean, it was that was God doing it. It wasn't me, you know, going to schools and working out, you know, leasing structures with different places. It was just, hey, God said, Go talk to this place. And we still meet there and praise God, we pay no rent. And, wow. and we take all of the the funds that we would put into rent into a space that we'll never own, probably. Uh, and we turned that into the community, and, and God's really blessed that, and God has done amazing things through that. And so, those are those are probably it. Those are those two things. Sorry, that was a really long <laughs> answer. Yeah. This is yeah. rapid fire.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry. We we, we joke about uh, sometimes rapid fire turns into slow walk, and yeah. Uh,
2: that was, and so <laughs> that was more of like just lay down in your bed, right, Chad? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hardy har. Sorry. Sorry.
0: <laughs> All right, favorite All right. uh, hobby or pastime?
2: Oh, favorite hobby or pastime. It, this is this is where I'm going to start to nerd out a little bit. Um, there's two things that I, I've grown to love. And I'm bringing my daughter into this is comic books. I mean, I used to love comic books when I was younger. And now she's in kindergarten, she's starting to read. And so um i started showing her comic books i said hey you can look at the, the pictures and you don't have to read you can just read figure out. that's why i loved them yeah I, you know it's hard for me to read books period so comic books are much more my speed and so we've kind of grown into that we do that together and then the other one is is board games which sounds even nerdier probably uh but it's so weird like i have a lot of uh millennial kids maybe i, I would call them in my church and they love board games it's oh, uh, it's probably the easiest way to engage people like when you they come over it's so much better to to play a game together uh it kind of breaks the ice so if a new a new couple or a new family comes in i say why don't you come over and we'll play a game and they go like monopoly i'm like no no there's other games and we play (laughs) you know different games and they love it and we have it's kind of funny we have board game nights at church and so they they have this thing called Meetup, or you know uh like uh what's the other one that we use there's a couple different apps that that we put that out there. And people from the neighborhood show up and want to play board games at our church. Yeah. I don't know why it works, but it does, and we love it. So yeah. that'd probably be the two. Kevin, we do, I'm,
0: we do board ahead. games at our in our small group, and I just bought Exploding Kittens. Yes. game. Yeah. <laughs> and so I haven't played it yet, <laughs> but I'm Exploding I'm Kittens. Exploding Kittens, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah does that include putting kittens in the microwave? or yeah. what? Is <laughs> Uh, that's one of the challenges. You have to do. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, oh, cat lovers everywhere. Uh, a, yeah, Pete, Pete is going to call us. That's um, right. Kevin, you really disappointed me on this one, man. We've got this soccer connection, me and you. Well, and, uh, I only
2: had two, and I—I I mean, well, it's probably you know for you and I, that's that's the way that Chad and I actually met. Right? Yeah, it's through our our love for mutual love for soccer, which yeah. you know some guys give me a lot of grief about because I mean we're you know here in denver we have i think six professional teams now or something so the broncos are king here so if the broncos play like they played at 11 on sunday we we took a hit i mean in attendance people like literally will be like you know what i love this church i love you but the broncos are on at 11 so i'm out and that's just the reality so when i say i love soccer it's almost like You know that we have a pro football team here. (laughs) I love the Broncos. I love them. I like real football. I got Broncos jerseys. I I go to games if I can. But soccer, I grew up playing it, and then being overseas. I mean, there there is no NFL. It is it's all about soccer over overseas. So, I I had that love, and then uh, Chad and I, you know, we we started swapping stories, and
1: we have a let's be honest, we have a soccer bromance. It's okay. We
0: do. (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Oh, what is, uh, what's next
1: movie favorite or movie movie okay
2: favorite oh, movie. Man. favorite movie um if i had to pick one probably inception oh inception i yeah I, and I, I really like all his movies so i mean he did the he did the dark knight stuff he did um dunkirk uh those kind of I, I just love his style of, of movie and yeah so i could probably watch that every day if i could yeah. I,
0: love
1: that movie. Yeah. I didn't know you were such a Leonardo DiCaprio fan. That's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, you meant... oh,
1: you I'm sorry. You didn't mean the actor and I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I mean, you, you're, you you're, no, I'm more of a, a Nick Cage. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what
1: about your favorite band or musician? Mm,
2: let's see. I, I think I've grown in my love for, for bluegrass. I mean, bluegrass is kind of like a, I don't know, it's a weird, another weird thing like, oh, why bluegrass? But yeah. um, I, I play the guitar and I'm, I'm trying to teach myself the mandolin. So that's probably part of why I love that. Um, but I grew up as a kid that, that loved punk music. So that's oh, wow. kind of my, that's my genre. So I mean, pick a, pick a
1: punk band. Nine, nine out of 10 adults who play board games also like blue glass, bluegrass. So that's.
0: A, <laughs> yeah. They kind of go together. Yeah. Four punks. Uh So, <laughs> okay. So, so I'm going yeah, my, yeah. my only bluegrass, I, I, I I'm a metalhead. So yeah. if you'd have told me 10 years ago that there'd come a day where I would have a couple of bluegrass bands on my phone, to listen to, I would say you're nuts. But yeah. Punch Brothers, uh, yeah. I'm a big Punch Brothers fan. Well,
2: Trampled by Turtles, is that another?
0: I uh, like Trampled by Turtles. Greatest yeah. band name in the history of band names.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Love, Absolutely. love it. And uh, Yonder Mountain String Orchestra uh, is a okay. good one as well. And, yeah. uh, but uh, Nickel Creek, anything Chris Thiela is a part of. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Uh, that dude's so, an amazing musician. What you guys need to
2: do is you need to come to Colorado and go to the Telluride bluegrass festival. It's like world renowned. It is unbelievable. Yeah. So first of all, Telluride is just like, it looks like the Alps. I yeah. mean, when you, when you're driving in, it's just incredible. And then they have a bluegrass festival that, I mean, anybody that plays bluegrass, it's worth listening to shows up. It's incredible. It's something that, you know, if you, if you do have the chance, you should come.
0: So I want to come to Red Rocks. That's where I want hey, to be. And, That
2: That's also an experience.
0: Yeah. It's,
2: I mean, pick pick a band and they probably played there. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So, see, my,
0: one of my favorite metal bands, I'm a nerd out. Here's my nerd out, you know. Yeah. You're, I like comic books and board games too, but this is my real nerd out. Uh, there's this progressive kind of Scandinavian, used to be death metal, now they're more progressive metal stuff, band called Opeth. And uh, okay. they, filmed, they performed at Red Rocks here recently and filmed it for Blu-ray. So it's about to come yeah. out. And I'm so excited to have a live DVD, of them, <laughs> a live Blu-ray of them. But it's at Red Rocks, nice. which is just the coolest environment for a concert. And I've never yeah. been. I want to go so bad. And, well, come on. I, hey, come I'm going to come see you. And uh, we'll go to Red Rocks. So, as
2: long as I get to go. That's that's yeah. the other part. You can come, but then you have to take me. So. Okay,
0: come on, man. Uh, well, I mean, they, he did a he did a part of the extras is him walking around backstage and their dressing room. the 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 Red Rocks the mountain is in their it's part in their dressing yeah. room built around it, and uh, it's just I'm telling you it's just one of the coolest places ever. And it's I want to cool sticks in that place. Yeah, it's
2: I mean you can uh, you can sit really anywhere and it sounds incredible. I yeah. mean, so you can spend a lot of money to be up close. Yeah. But for the most part, you just buy the cheapest seat you can and as long as you're in, it yeah. it it all sounds the same and it's yeah. I mean, you see the the stage down below and then right over the top you can see the the city skyline, the mountains are behind you, it's outside. I mean, it's just it's a very unique thing. Yeah. Uh, and they do it rain or shine. So, I've been to a show before where it was just pouring rain and yeah. I mean, the bands all covered up on the stage and they just they just let it ride and yeah. it's, uh, like this is this is so cool. Yeah.
0: Got to go. Chad, we need to take a road trip. I'm in. All right. Let's go to Red Rock. <laughs> that
2: means you have to get out of bed, though.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have to pass then. Maybe you yeah. can uh, book live at night. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
2: What, what about an RV? You could, like, sleep in the RV.
1: Mm, yeah, possibly. Yeah. How's the internet? Oh, well, no, that's going to be <laughs> tough.
2: Good. Maybe you have to yeah. fly first class. I mean, that's usually how you travel, right? Yeah,
0: maybe not oh uh, good all right. we're gonna wrap up thanks man so much thank you uh, Kevin out with you and talk and I uh, pray God's richest blessings continue to pour out on Calvary and all the communities in and around Denver and uh just man great stuff great stories yeah and uh, looking forward to more
2: yeah praise Come God on. thanks for having me guys this is this has been a joy it really has.
1: yeah thanks Kevin
0: alright bro Uh, we're done. See you guys next time on the grind.